how happy are you who are poor? Yours is the kingdom of heaven. But alas for you who are rich, you are having your consolation now. My dear brothers and sisters, these words of our Lord Jesus Christ are neither easy to understand nor to accept, are not easy either to understand, to explain, or to accept. Before attempting any explanation, I will remind us of a warning that one holy man gave to all of us in our approach to sacred scripture, the word of God. Many of you may have meditated on that warning this morning at the office of reading. The second letter, the office of reading, taken from the commentary of St. Ephraim on the Diatessaron. St. Ephraim warns us that the word of God is deep, profound, and inexhaustible. When you come to that word, be careful because you will never be able to exhaust its meaning. And don't think that the only thing you understand from the word, what you have understood from the word, is the only thing to be understood, either for you or for others. You drink from the well of the word of God and you get satisfied, but the water is not finished so that you can come again. And your brothers and sisters will also come and drink and get satisfied. And the amount of satisfaction you get each time depends also on how thirsty you are. Be careful. Ukuchuku miremi. When you explain the word of God to others, be careful not to presume that that is the only explanation available. What we do as priests is to try to present not just our personal understanding of the word, but how the church, contemplating the word over the centuries, has understood it to offer you some help for your own personal understanding. And I think it is St. Augustine who also warns us. Well, Ephraim concludes by saying, when you go away after having drunk from the word of God, the well of word of God, and being satisfied today, don't forget that the well, spring well, is still there for you to return when you are thirsty. You can never just say, I have had enough. 
of this word. I think it is St. Augustine who warns us also. When you go to drink from that well of the word of God, be careful not to pollute the water, not to spoil the water by the way you handle the word. So my prayer today is that my own reflection upon the word of God, sharing with you the satisfaction I have got from this word, may become for you some help in your own understanding for your own satisfaction and not an obstacle. Happy are you who are poor. You who ndo live an agua. Number one, it's difficult to understand how a poor person can be happy. Poor in the sense of not having any secure means of sustenance. You are not sure of the next hour, let alone tomorrow. It is customary to compare Luke's version of the Beatitudes with that we find in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. Comparing the numbers in Matthew with the numbers of the Beatitudes in Luke, and so on. But one point that we like to emphasize in the difference between Matthew and Luke is that Matthew, who was himself a tax collector and a rich man before he became an apostle, tried to mellow down the teaching by interpreting it already. He said, happy are the poor in spirit. We have to understand the contexts of the two teachings as they are of the teachings as they are presented in the two different Gospels. Matthew says Jesus had his disciples come around him and he was on top of a mountain and a large crowd gathered and he addressed his apostles. But while he addressed his disciples, the teaching was made for everybody. So it was general, generic. Happy are the poor. Happy are peacemakers. Happy are those who are persecuted, whoever they may be. First of all, that happiness is not that sensation you feel when something good happens to you. It is a happiness that in Greek is expressed, in the Hebrew is expressed as brakat. And only God really is happy in that sense because the word is blessed. You are blessed. God is blessed. And if you find yourself in one of these categories enumerated, you are blessed because you participate intimately in the being of God. You are close to God. You share in his love in such a way that you also become blessed. It is not a feeling that passes just easily. It's not that human feeling. 
That is one way, one thing that helps us even understand how, that, how to live that happiness. That type of happiness or blessedness is the type that cannot be taken away easily, simply by suffering. It is taken away, therefore, only by being distant from God. What can separate us from the love of God? Paul asks. Luke answers. Wealth, money, enjoyment, praise. These things can erect a screen between us and God. And that interrupts the flow of blessedness from God to us. And whatever feeling we may have of satisfaction will be based on what is found here and now. And then, Jeremiah wants us, sorry for you. It is risky. Jesus says here, happy are the poor. But he was addressing the apostles, his disciples rather, directly. He wasn't just talking about anybody. You who are poor. Why? You have made a choice to leave everything. These men have things they were doing. Many of them were fishermen. I just mentioned Matthew who was a tax collector. And they left everything and followed him. Before they left everything, Yes, they were not super rich people, but they were not also they had something to eat. You who are poor now. But it is also interesting. The other blessedness that he named said, for instance, happy are you Who are hungry now, you shall be satisfied. You who weep now, you shall be comforted. You shall laugh. You whom people hate, you will rejoice. Why didn't he tell us, happy are you who are poor now? Because you will be rich. Rather, he says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. I want us to be careful. And I'm wondering any of the priests here now. Supposing you had launching today. Fundraising. And you want money. To build a church. Or change your car. Or. Finish the parish house. And you invited people to come and help you. And the rich people are all seated there. And you tell them, woe to you who are rich. How can we really in all honesty say that poor people are happy? Let us know. Many people are poor because of the wrong choices they have made in life. 
because of their own lack of commitment and struggle. And they become poor because they are lazy. Sometimes because they are angry, angry with everybody and with God. And such poor people feel that they are poor because you are rich and you are their number one enemy. Those who think that anybody riding a jeep is a thief. Those who think that anybody who has a beautiful house is corrupt. Because otherwise, otherwise, why is my own story different? And some people in their poverty have become very bitter, very wicked, and very resentful. I am not sure that Jesus praises that kind of poverty. Again, some people are rich because believing that they are created in the image of God, who is love and all-powerful, they don't allow any discouragement to stop them from struggling. Trusting in God, praying for blessing, working hard so that they can support others. God answers their prayer, gives them money, and they are giving to the churches, giving to poor people, building schools, giving scholarships everywhere, worshiping regularly. And you come and tell me they are cursed because they are rich? Don't forget, I've always said this, on the last day, judgment day, Jesus will tell us, that's a parable anyway, he said, the king will tell those on his right hand, come blessed, you of my father, because come and inherit the kingdom. I was hungry and you give me to eat. I was naked, you give me clothes. I was homeless, you give me house. And he will say to those on the left, get away. I was hungry, you didn't give me food. I was naked, you did not clothe me. Eh? Poor people who we are begging on the streets that I will tell, oh God, we didn't have food though. How could we have given you if we didn't have food ourselves? If you have not eaten, will you be able to share what you don't have? Now, this is the point I want to make. The poverty that Jesus praises is that total dependence on God alone and not on anything that can come from our own efforts or even human resources. Because anything that comes through human effort or through human beings, the likelihood is that one day it may lack. Or even that when you have it, the attention will be turned to yourself. And it becomes an obstacle that stops you from your communion and communication with God. This is what I understand by this blessedness of the poor. 
that in our condition of need, in our fragility as human beings, in a situation when things around us can no longer provide answers to our problems, that time we may discover our need for God. That time we may be, begin to seek God seriously. And this is what I regard as the hidden grace in tragedy. Sometimes it is only when you are face to face with a hopeless situation that you realize how much everything depends on God. Can we imagine you who had almost everything you needed? Your family was peaceful. Your wife or your husband, very loving. Your children are growing, obedient, going to good schools. You are very loved in the community. You are very healthy. And one day, one blessed day, death strikes. Death strikes and removes perhaps the source of your unity, the source of your joy, the source of your confidence, the source of all your struggles, your encouragement. And you have nobody again to look up to. Or you are suddenly told that either you or your loved one has a terminal disease, cancer, and the likelihood of survival is zero, and the estimated time for death is soon. You go to another doctor, the same sentence, to another hospital, the same sentence. You look at your cars. You look at your house. You look at your children. They will not make any meaning anymore. In such moments, faith in God, who is the source of all we are and have, the source of our being in whom we live and move, that is the only thing then that gives you some footing. Otherwise, the earth just opens below you and you find yourself sinking into an abyss of meaninglessness and darkness. And it has happened to many people. Including those who once was of strong faith. Be careful, Jesus warns. Don't trust too much on anything that can pass away. Let go of things that pass. So that when they eventually pass, you will not be shocked. Today in our society among the Igbos in Nigeria, I think we have to return to the value, the value of detachment and the poverty that is willingly accepted or chosen, not out of laziness, but as a way of liberating oneself from 
material imprisonment. Somebody says that the desire for wealth or money and the fear of losing money or wealth, this is the chief propagator of corruption in the world and the chief source of cowardice in our lives. The desire to be rich, to have money. Now, ritual sacrifice has become very common among our young people. Killing in order to get money. Some have abandoned Christianity and returned to no longer traditional religion, but evil Satanism produced by Nollywood. The religion of our young people now, or many of the people, Nigerians now, is not from our ancestors. They tell you they are going back to the religion of our ancestors. No, that was not the religion of our ancestors. This is the religion of Nollywood. Where evil spirits are invoked to destroy others in order to enrich some people. That is what is in vogue now. And this desire to be rich is, by all means has affected everybody. It has even climbed into the sanctuary. And you find out that on some Sundays, some priests, some of the Pentecostal churches that are just business centers, some priests do nothing except talk about how to raise money and how to spend money and money and money and money. Every time money Especially when somebody dies or somebody wants to work. Yesterday, one of the points that came up during our interaction was this request for money when people die in the name of clearance. Somebody who was frustrated by this treatment years back, this time not a Catholic but an Anglican, complained that the church now kidnaps the dead in order to ask ransom from the living. Sometimes, irrational demands of, for money are made of the living on behalf of the dead. And when young people want to wed, irrelevant requests are made for money. Not only on the sanctuary, even in the pews. Some of you here are lecturers in the university. And many of the lecturers, because they feel they are no longer paid sufficiently, are extorting money from students. If you don't pay, you won't pass their course. If they can't extort it directly, they will extort it through handouts or textbooks. If they can't extort it through handouts or textbooks, they will find some other way. If you are doing research with them, you'll suffer. And you publish, have an article ready for publish, publication. And he's the director of your project. You must put his name as number one. Add his name so that he becomes professor. You who suffered, you have no glory. All of them, so that he will arise and get more money and you will remain poor. 
And some of the students will come and say they can no longer pay for their school fees. Makanejirigo school fees. Ba bet Niger. Where are we going with this hunger for money? It is the thing destroying every, every fabric of our society now. Jesus is presenting to us an antidote, a cure. And that cure is to trust in God from whom alone comes our happiness. Don't erect a wall between you and God with material acquisitions. Yes, poverty in itself is not good. Wealth in itself is not bad. But poverty chosen as an attitude of dependence to God and availability to our brothers and sisters, that is blessed. Wealth rejected as an obstacle to God is blessed. But taken as the only guarantee of our happiness, that is a curse. As for the blessedness of being popular, in the Old Testament, flattery was the reward that false prophets got. And that is still the case today. Each time I hear people talking about priests, bishops, pastors, that they are very famous, ten most famous bishops in Nigeria, ten most famous pastors in Nigeria, famous by whose standards? Anytime a priest, preacher, bishop, pastor is being praised in this country, he should remember this warning of our Lord, woe to you when people talk well of you. That was how their fathers flattered the false prophets. Applause is a danger to spirituality. It blinds us to our limitations. And it makes us think that we are special. Just as wealth makes us think we don't need God. The same thing applause does to us. Our prayer, therefore, should be that we acquire the right attitude to wealth, to fame, to progress, and also have the right disposition towards things which we cannot obtain in spite of our honest efforts. It is not easy to be a good Christian. It is a struggle and a struggle that lasts for life. That is why God, through Christ, gives us different means and resources that help us in this difficult journey to God. 
Some of the most useful are the sacraments, one of which is confirmation that these are brothers and sisters we received today. Yesterday, it also came up that divorce has become so popular that even in the Catholic Church, divorce is now being accepted under the guise of annulment. And I answered, we cannot stop the children of God to exercise their freedom if they tell lies claiming that a wedding that took place never did. But it is precisely in order to help us live this life courageously to the end that one of the conditions for receiving wedding matrimony is confirmation. Confirmation is the sacrament that strengthens you for life as an adult in the church. And it is not easy, whichever way. And some of you think that the preparation for confirmation for two, three, four months is a punishment. Wedding, preparation for wedding, two, three months is a punishment. These are preparations so that you receive the grace that will help you in living this difficult life. The same thing with the sacred orders. Diaconate, priesthood, episcopacy, without confirmation that strengthens your resolve as a Christian to witness to Christ, you will not be ordained. Because that means you are still a baby in the church. And the sacrament of confirmation comes from a long tradition of the apostles. A tradition that has been handed down right to our time that makes it possible now for the bishop to pray over you, anoint you with oil, sometimes through the help of some priests, and you receive the Holy Spirit the way the apostles did on Pentecost Day. And you will be able to bear witness to the blessedness of dependence only on God. Your life will become like fragrant incense offered to God. But if you regard it just as a mere ceremony, some immediately after their confirmation will even change religion. So what were you confirmed in? So as we thank God for the gift of these our brothers and sisters and for the gift of the Holy Spirit on them, we also have to Remind them that they are taking a very important part or step in their journey as Christians. In the face of tragedy, let us always remember whether it is the tragedy of not being able to afford what you need or the tragedy 
of not having the comfort of your loved one because he or she died, or the tragedy of illness that is not able to find cure, remember in such moments that you could turn your attention to the only solid, unshakable foundation of our life. Jeremiah wants us, would to any human being who places his faith and trust on human beings and on created things, but blessed is he who places his trust only in God. It is our prayer that all of us, especially those who will be confirmed today, will live this life of blessedness where they will not allow anything human, material, to come between them and God. One small thought about tomorrow, Valentine's Day. Uh, for boys who are already rejoicing that tomorrow is to sit at home. Therefore, nobody will come to disturb you. Only the serious this evening where Biawa can sit at home tomorrow. Can celebrate the eve of Valentine. I am appealing to our young people. Tomorrow, 14th of February, is really the feast of Saints Methodius and his brother. These were bishops who gave their life to spread the gospel in their country. It is a feast of love, yes, but only of love that gives, not necessarily of the love that receives. As we now create this worldly culture around St. Valentine, even though he's called Saint, may we bear in mind that the love that saves is the love that serves, the love that gives, the love that is patient, the love that forgives, the love that is humble, and the love that recognizes one's limitations and asks for help and pardon. Our young people especially, but all of us need to know that if it is only human love, one day your heart will be broken. So let not the love you celebrate tomorrow, if you are privileged to celebrate love, let it not be just human love. May it be an extension of the love we all receive from God in creation and in Christ who came to save us. With this, we wish all those who be confirmed today a happy adult Christian life and all of us the grace of finding meaning even in the midst of tragedy. <laughs>